0: Everybody that I know to, and let them feel this rich presence of God. Amen. 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 I love the presence of God. It is something that I am addicted to. I, I cannot imagine. I was thinking the other day. I said, "What would my life be without church?" And I could only think of things that left me empty. And and I was thinking of people that make life decisions based upon, well, it looks like the right thing to do, but I'm so glad, as Pastor Riggum was talking this morning, there's a will that I can ask for. I can say, Heavenly Father, what, what would you have me to do? What would you have in my life? And how do you want to lead and direct and guide me? And I, that is something that people wish they had. They don't have anybody to bounce their ideas off of. And they just wonder aimlessly, and they try this and that. But I'm so glad I can call on my Heavenly Father and say, Master... I need your help right now. I I really need you to tell me what I need to do. Amen, amen. And don't ever take it for granted. Prayer. Don't ever take it for granted. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I have a message that God laid on my heart this afternoon. I want to preach it to us today. I promise I will be short and and sweet, hopefully. And uh, I want to uh, let God have his way and uh, let him move on our hearts and minds. I need his strength. I need him to do everything that we need done tonight. I need him to touch us. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1. I'll just read the first two verses in my text. It says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard these, heard thee in the time, accepted. And the day of salvation, for I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen, amen, amen. Can we ask God to help us tonight? Church, I need your help. I need God's help. I want Him to minister to me. I want him to minister each and every one the needs in the house tonight. Let's talk to Him. Heavenly Father, we need You today. God, we need Your Spirit to move in this house. Continue to touch God continue to minister on each and every heart, God. You see the needs, God, they brought in their hands to you, God. We lift them up to you, God. Allow your word to minister to them. Allow your word, God, to touch them and lift them up, God. Relieve them of their burden tonight, God. Touch them, Master. Minister to each and every one of us, God. Allow me to follow you, Jesus. Anoint our hearts, God. Anoint my lips, God, to say the words you need, Jesus. We ask you, God, to minister to us, God. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I need your help tonight, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you'll help me tonight, you may please be seated. I want to give just a brief, non-so-boring, maybe just high-level review of, of... Second Corinthians in, in the previous chapters, and, and it says it's closely connected in simps, and if you read through them, there's some amazing scriptures that you'll find in Second Corinthians chapter 5, and it's designed as an address to the Corinthian Christians. So please, when we talk about scripture, you'll see them talk about ministers, but it's going to apply to all of us. It's exhorting them to act worthily of their calling and of their situation under such a ministry. As they had enjoyed, we are all as we would not deny called to serve Him. He called us; that's why we're here. We answered the call. In the previous chapters, Paul had discoursed at length of the design and the labors of the ministry. The main drift of this was to show the nature of reconciliation. You'll see at the latter end of Second Corinthians, chapter five, and the obligation to turn to God and to live to Him. The ideas pursued in this chapter. In the view of the labors and the self-denials of ministry, Paul urges the Christians the duty of coming out from the world and separating themselves entirely from all evil. It finds us rolling in seamlessly into Second Corinthians chapter 6, and we go into 1 and 2, and we talk about the acceptable time of mercy. I want to preach to us tonight about the endurance of the saints, the Endurance of the saints. We'll find ourselves through chapter 6, 1 through 10, eventually, hopefully. But we find that we learn that, therefore, it was, not, it was possible to receive the grace of God and ultimately benefit by it. But in other words, to begin the spirit and end in the flesh in verses 1 through 2. But it says in verse 3, it says, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Paul was saying that he and his fellow apostles so labor that no one that saw them should have any reason to approach the ministry or message they preached. Heavy, heavy stuff. Stuff that you bear with you and how you make every step every day and conduct yourself, knowing that everybody is watching you. That the words you say and how you convey yourself would be one that they could never say, I could never be a Christian because of this man. Or this woman. We all bear the same responsibility. But what I want to focus on is in verse 4. It says, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, and in distresses. Verse 4, I find, is an amazing passage because. It's easy for us to grab this passage of Scripture and run through it. And following this, there is a long list of words that describe certain situations. But when you step back in verse 4, it's a story. And hopefully we'll let it unfold and see it tonight. But it says, in much patience, comma. We see that everything that unfolds before us that we'll get to happen in much patience. Patience being aptly described, the endurance to mark the true order of the Greek words in everything as God's ministers recommending ourselves. Have you ever been asked to give a letter of recommendation? You are putting your name, and they'll ask you, What is your name, your relationship, and your title? What is behind you that says, I can recommend this person? Or I can recommend this product. I can be a spokesman for this product. you marketing Christianity in a world that does not want anything to do with Christ. You are the person that brings this message. But it says in much patience. People can resist preaching. They cannot resist the effective power of a good example in front of them through suffering. When somebody is a message in front of them and they practice what they preach and the message that they say is in your Bible as it is in mine, it is effective. You could never put them behind a pew and have them sit there, but they can understand there's something more to life because of this person and the testimony they live and the words they say and how they stand behind it. And it's the quality of this individual that tells me there is a God. But we find in much patience, and there's three areas in afflictions, in necessities, and in distresses. The another translation says in Second Corinthians, it says, But as servants of God, we recommend ourselves, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, and calamities. In much patience. Endurance being a proper translation of the original word does not refer to the frame of mind that one sits quietly and allows the torrent of troubles to sweep over them. It describes the ability to bear them in such a triumphant way that it transfigures them, transmutes them, takes them from one image to another through endurance. Endurance was aptly described as the fruit that never withers, the fortress that is never taken. A harbor that never knows a storm. The foundation of right actions. The peace in the, ca- in the war and the calm in the tempest. It is the alchemy, the makeup, that transmutes us from going through our trials and tribulation into strength and transforms us into something that God has deemed glorious. Walking through a trial tonight, saints. That's what I want to talk to us tonight about. The endurance of the saints. And I would be lying, and each and every one of us were, if we were to say, I'm on top of the mountain, everything's okay, nothing could go wrong right now. I promise you, there are trials taking place right now. Being from Kansas my whole life, and having the opportunity to go to other parts as young people, and everybody's been to Colorado, and seen the majestic mountains, and and something that was inside of me. And I said, God, uh, when I get to the mountains, how beautiful, I'm amazed by the mountains. We don't get to see them much around here. And and I said, you know what? When I get to the top of one, you know what I'm going to do? I'm a purpose in my heart that I'm going to stand there and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to thank you, God, for all of creation and the beauty. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I should also have that same frame of mind when I'm in the valley. It's still beautiful. The towering, majestic beauty that God has orchestrated in our life that we have the opportunity to lay our eyes on, it's still beauty. It's still God's creation. Your valley is still God's creation. He's making you. He's taking you through one valley to the mountaintop to the valley. He's taking you from place to place. It's all on whose hand you're holding, on how much you're going to enjoy the journey. All of these are expressed in plural number. Afflictions, necessities, distresses. Just because it hits you once doesn't mean that you're free and clear. It's not going to happen again. But we find that afflictions, a couple of definitions in affliction several ways to escape may appear in my moments of weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. But 17 says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, but our light afflictions. Light afflictions will keep the weak out of church. Light afflictions will keep the weak from being a witness. Light afflictions will keep the weak from worshiping. I just don't. It's not 100%. That's a light affliction. But he says in patience you'll get through the afflictions. The next one, necessities. Though none without difficulty and necessities one only, and that a difficult one, that is a stronger term than afflictions, denotes unavoidable distress and calamity. Those are the ones that end up on prayer request cards that we each grab and we say, I'll pray for them, and I'll I'll take them, and would you pray for me? Somebody has a necessity in their life. That is why we create the atmosphere at every apostolic service for somebody's necessity, somebody's necessity to touch God, to be ministered to, to say, God, I didn't have this opportunity this afternoon, but I want to thank you. I want to lift my hands. It's out of their necessity that there's a move of God in an apostolic service. That's what drives us to an altar out of necessity. My sins, my needs in my life, my valley, my tribulations. A necessity brings us to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27. It says, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fasting's often, and cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. That which cometh upon me daily. I promise you, saints, you're not mature in the kingdom of God if you're just going to be knocked out of pocket just by one little thing. There has to be the daily walk, the daily read, something where you reflect on God and say, God, thank you for this moment. I must have you. You become as a pinball machine and, and the ball just pings from side to side. You're unstable. But God says, through necessities, I'll bring you to center and I'll show you where you need to be. I'll, I'll reference you and show you where zero is and, and where you're supposed to walk day in and day out. Prayer does that. Your testimony... Does that. It takes the pride and makes the man lowly and safe if it wasn't for God. It takes the one that is feeling sorry for themselves and saying, God is so much greater than everything I'm sitting in right now. Your trials. That which rushes upon me, aside from all that besets me physically, my mind is also under attack. If you've never had your mind under attack, I'll tell you, saints of God... It's happened. You just need to realize what it is. The devil will try to destroy you. It'll tell you, "You don't need to worship God. Uh, you've already prayed this morning. You don't need to pray before service." And he'll go through the, this this routine and this ritual with you. He'll understand how good God's been for you, and, and he'll sit there and say, "Listen, oh, you don't have to. You don't. You're not obligated. This don't apply to you." But uh, I tell you, saints, it applies to all of us. Things that come upon us daily. It's getting through the necessities. It's getting through the afflictions that allows our testimony to mean anything. Because when you fall and you say, "Uh, you know what, it's just not good enough. It's something that I, I just don't care about. Let me tell you, it's the things that rush upon you daily. Distresses. In distress, none at all appears. The word here shows a properly straightness of place. A lack of room, then straits, distress, anguish. It is a stronger word than any of those that he had previously used. He's building and escalating from necessities to distresses. And I, I don't know if anybody here is uh, in the same boat I am, but uh, I have a small case of claustrophobia. It's not a—I uh, don't really like the, t- the small, tight places and and the places where I have no room. It feels to breathe and. Everything's coming in on you, and you can feel what's in front of you, and even darkness, even though you're standing in an expansive room, darkness can be right in front of you and feel like you're all alone, and it's just claustrophobic. The other day, I was going to have an uh, MRI, and uh, I had had them several times before over the years, and everything was great. And, and as they um, put me in this little pixie stick and put some uh, lotion on my shoulders to slide me in. And I'm sitting there and uh, just wondering in my thoughts. I'm sitting there, you know, just hearing this hum of the machine. And I'm sitting there saying, you know what? If I were to ever even try to get out of this, I can't because my shoulders are touching. My hands are on my chest and they're touching the ceiling. My head is braced in by something snapped in place. If I wanted to, I can't even get out. I would have been in distress. People get in distress moments in their life, and they do what we call stupid things. Trust people that just could care less about their interests. People get in distress, and they do things that leaves everybody around them shaking their head, and you're saying, what was this person thinking? They were in distress. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side, but yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the mind, about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. As always delivered unto death, exposed constantly to death. It takes someone recognizing the situation you're sitting in today, tonight, tomorrow, through your trial to realize what stage you're in in your trial. Some of us just realize, God, I don't know what's going on, but everything around me seems to be spinning, and it's up and down, and I don't know which way is up, and God, I need your help. And our only instinct is to reach out and say, God, and His hand will reach down and touch us. That is the only answer we have that we can find in. And we go on and read in Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse ten. It says, "Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities." Whoa, listen! Not we don't take pleasure. What? What is he talking about? I don't want these. I want the mountaintops. I want the place in my life where it feels like I've got a brand new pair of shoes on and I'm just springing through life. But he says, "I take pleasure in infirmities." In reproaches, and necessities, in persecutions. Not in distresses, but in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You can go through all the little catchy phrases about having to be down on one's knees and and going through prayer, and they put it on church signs, but I promise you the Scripture is what we fall back on that takes me through every one of my tests and trials and brings me from the valley to the mountaintops. It's the Scripture. So we'll jump into that. Verse 5. If you'll I'll get into this and I'll see, show you what jumped out to me in verse 5. It says, in in stripes, and imprisonments, in, in tumults, and labors, and watchings, and fastings. Paul was being very passionate about what he was writing to to Corinth. With every circumstance he wrote about, he was seeing those things saying, same things happen, right? Before his very eyes, he had just said he takes pleasure in them. But you find on in chapter six where it talks about listen, here's what you're going to go through in stripes, in imprisonments. Verse six says, By pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness. On the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, we see that it's in and by. We go to verse 9 and it says, As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. As having nothing yet possessing all things. Your testimony is something you can share and you can make others rich. You may say, as Pastor was saying, even the poorest among us physically and and in the money in your bank account, even the poorest among us are rich compared to standards in this world. But I tell you, your testimony is gold in your hands. and, And what you do with it and how you disperse it and how you share it and how you store it, how you take care of it and you say, listen, this is mine and I'm not going to let the devil tarnish it. I'm going to take care of it. You're sitting there saying, listen, I have something that I can share. I can make others rich through my testimony. We well, can say, oh, I was raised in church and really nothing really happened in my life, but I promise you the things that he saved you from or the things that your co-workers are going through and your family's going through and, and the people you're building into your life are going through. As unknown, for the world knoweth us not, as yet it knew him not, yet well known to God, to those who are the seals of our ministry, the stamp of approval, as dying yet the whole suddenly, unexpectedly God interposes and we live. We would find each and every one of us in our lives, and we think back of the day that God saved us, I can look back in my mind and say, God, I remember the place, the time, I remember exactly what happened when you said you fill me with the Holy Ghost. I remember as a young man going through school, it was a Wednesday night, I was a, I believe I was a sophomore, I'm sorry, I was a junior in high school, and I was homeschooling, and I was sitting in a chair, and I went to sleep doing my paces, and through the ACE curriculum, and I had fell asleep and at home, and it was amazing to me, I, as I slept, God gave me a dream. didn't have the Holy Ghost at the time, but he showed me myself, standing in a church, standing in the exact spot, with my hands lifted up, and speaking in tongues. It was so real that I expected to be speaking in tongues when I came up and woke up from my sleep. And when I woke up, there was such a burning, burning desire and hunger inside of me. I said, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I want to get everything that I need tonight. Went to service Wednesday night, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. It was the exact place that I had my father-in-law lead me to an altar and lay His hands on me. It was the exact place that I was standing there with my hands lifted and God so graciously filled me with the Holy Ghost. It was things I didn't realize but what I was going through but God sent me a lifeline. He sent me something that says, Son, this is what's going to change your life. This is something you can cling to. And I tell you, to this day, I cling to it with my life. I said, God, I must have the Holy Ghost. Now other people... You can lay it down and you can say it means absolutely nothing to you. But I promise you today I would not be standing here today if I did not have the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. I would not be one that could say I'm so blessed and God has kept me. And I don't have the scars of so much sin in my life. But I promise you it's my testimony that keeps me day after day. And even though I wasn't addicted to everything of this world, God kept me. It wasn't because of how good I was. It was because of how good he is and how much he loves me. And if I was to just throw it away, I would say, God, you're not good enough. Your peace, your love, your mercy, it's not good enough for me. But he puts things in the scripture that says, I'm going to send you through some trials. I'm going to send you through some valleys that's going to test you. But I'm going to tell you how to do it. You see the key to endurance we find in Psalms, chapter 118, and verse 18, says the Lord has chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. The key to endurance we find its references, and you'll see we read those in, in verse 6. It says by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth you have, saints of God, you have to fall in love with the word of God. There is no excuse. You absolutely have to fall in love with the Word of God. Without a love for the Word of God, the messages mean absolutely nothing, and you find yourself sitting there with 52 years behind you and 8,000 messages plus, and it doesn't mean anything to you. Pastor Regan, that struck me to my core this morning, raised in church, 32 years old, Brought to church from the day I could be. And I've sent through countless messages and, and seen miracles happen. And, and as you was talking, you was going through the, the message this morning, and you was talking about how the ministry trusted and says, I'm not going to take anything but a stave. And how the ministry relied on and moved on the Holy Ghost and allowed them to take care of them. In my mind, as you're preaching, I said, What changed? What changed? Grew up as a young man, seeing a bottle of oil come out anytime someone had a need, and, and watching crutches fly through the air, and what changed? Seeing someone say, Pastor, pray for me, and see a crooked, old, wrinkly finger that had been cut up through numerous accidents, but having a dab of oil on it, and saying, All right, saints, let's pray, and just simply touch a forehead, and all of a sudden, someone sit there and says, I couldn't even move this arm, and I couldn't even do my hair before church, but. Thank you, Jesus. Saints of God, what has changed? Are we leaning on different things when we go through the afflictions and when we go through the distresses and when we go through the necessities? Something has changed inside of us. What are we leaning on, the everlasting arms of God? Or is it a credit card in our pocket? Is it friends and family that can provide? But I promise you, God tells us and gives us the keys to everything. You'll find it in Galatians chapter 5, and verse 22. Says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. God told me I would go through all my trials with love unfeigned. He said through joy and peace. He also said through long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Against such you can take and partake of and break absolutely no commandment. Against such, we should all have in our repertoire and inside our resume as a Christian. God, these are in my life. I want to take part of them. I want the fruit of the Spirit. Do we have what I said before the fruit that never withers? What has changed inside of us? I promise you, the pastor is your best friend, the ministry is your best friend. They'll lead you and take you to God and they'll reintroduce you and you. If you've ever had introductions and you don't know somebody, you have someone come up and say, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown, this is Mr. Smith. I'd like to introduce you two to each other. They shake hands, and that person who does the introducing steps away and allows those two to talk. The ministry is taking you and your valley and the calamity in your life and the necessities and everything going on and saying, God, person in need, I'm here tonight. Introduce you two together. You guys do your thing. There is we as saints of God, the responsibility. Create the atmosphere that sinners walk in. And they're greeted with your master. And they say, who is this person? What what is going on in this place? And they look up and they say, there's got to be something to this. These songs, I've heard them on the radio. But they're alive. There's people that believe these things. James chapter 5 and verse 11 says... Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. Have you seen the end of the Lord? Or the Lord is pitiful and of tender and of tender mercy. You know, we see Job and we think of Job all oh, what a great man. He went through all so many things. We can list them all out. Everything that he lost, everything that he had that was taken away, every trial he went through, it's all documented. His thoughts, his friends, his family, everything destroyed. But I don't see him having some of the things that we have here. It's called the Holy Ghost. It says, the Word of God in verse 6 says, I'll go through these things by the Holy Ghost. If a service such as this morning doesn't stir you, you're missing some things in your in your armor. You need to look back at the, the things that God's trying to equip us with. And we need to say, God... Listen, you're going to send me in some things. You're going to send me in in stripes and imprisonments. But you gave me the tools that I can reach back to by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by love and fame, by the Holy Ghost. But I'm not going to get in it for my own glory because you says I'm going to be through that as unknown and as poor. I'm going to find myself not popular. Saints of God, we're going to look back at ourselves and say, listen, God, I'm ready to take on any trial. I'm ready to take on anything that you give to me. Because I was promised, if God cannot fail, then I cannot lose. If God, we understand in the infallible Word of God, if He cannot fail, otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here tonight. If I served someone that was a failure, I wouldn't be here. But God says, I'll be with you always. He said to cast all your cares. He doesn't say oh I'm limited at maximum capacity. Oh, but the sign says no vacancy, but no god says cast all your cares. If he cannot fail, I cannot lose as a Christian. I cannot lose as someone that says God, bring them on. It's called life. We must go through each and every trial, each and every testimony. We find ourselves going through scriptures that And we find ourselves saying, listen, we're the minister of God recommending ourselves, saying, listen, what I have went through, I'm saying you can have a part of. Your testimony is saying more than, oh, God is good. Oh, yes, I'll I'll testify, and God has been good to me. Yes, He has. But you have to live your life in such a way that your testimony says, there is nothing that I've went through that I would not want you to go through also. I may have lost family, but you can go through it because I went through it. I may have lost and shattered jobs and dreams, but I promise you, he took me through each and every one of them. You can do the same thing. Each and every thing, saints of God, that we go through, we must find a refuge in them. Otherwise, your testimony is just words, and we can write them down and, and put us a little thesis together and put it on a blog. But I promise you, until you can lean on the everlasting arms and you can say, God, this is how I'm doing. I'm obeying 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to go through each and every affliction, necessity, and distresses. The places where I feel like the church hates me and nobody else will shake my hand. That's just your perspective. The church loves you and it wants to shake your hand. When my family wants to cast me aside and don't want anything to do, With this Bible that I'm believing, I promise you, there's a church that wants to bring you in and say, listen, keep on coming. You're the one that keeps be putting one foot in front of the other. Keep sharing your testimony. Be the soul winner. Be what God wants you to be. Be the endurance of the saints. Be what God wants us to be. I want to go back in closing. The musicians would come. I want to just reference one Scripture that we have talked about just briefly. In verse 3, it says, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. We want our labor to be effective. Saints of God, members of new life, we want our labors to be effective. Pastor is talking this morning about everything he did and did not see anybody. God wants a harvest. God desires revival. God desires each and every pew to be full beyond comfortable. As you said this morning, beyond but he want to take this city beyond comfortable. And he wants us to live a life that is acceptable, something that we don't bring reproach upon the ministry and the message they preach, but your testimony is good, but if if a Sunday night it's just good and on top of the world and I danced and shouted and there's no commitment on Monday. Your testimony has lost its value. You're no longer at 100%. You're walking into work talking about something else and laughing at another thing. and Things they say, but I promise you, saints of God, give him no offense in anything. That the ministry, your ministry, be not blamed. I want us to live. I want myself to live. I want my family and everybody around me to live in such a way where they say, Who are those people? Where your testimony goes before you, as pastor said. Where you preach without saying a word. Where your testimony goes out and says, listen, there's a God and he's real. He can heal. When someone says, will you pray, it's a compliment. When someone says, let's pray at the church, you're running to it. God wants us to be so in tune. Where our evangelism just exudes out of us. Where it's something we cannot control. Where people just want to be around us. And, you know, people will try to change you. People will try to make you something that you're not. People will try to say, oh, you want to be just like us. But I promise you, the moment that you are, you're no longer of interest to them because you're just one of them. They like you because you're different. They like you because of who you are. They like you because God loves and cares for you. They like you and they go to you because I can say, hey, will you pray? And you pray. Because somebody here tonight has went through something, through much endurance. They went through some afflictions. They went through some necessities. And they found themselves in distress. And they reflected back on the Word of God. And you recommended yourself to a lost and dying world saying, Hey, I've received what God is saying in the Scripture, and I believe it is true. Here's my recommendation. Saints of God... I could not say it enough. Can we please stand? We need to be the book that people read. People have said it over and over countless times. But no one will ever come to church with you until you're real, until you woo them, your spirit, until you are 100% absolutely real, until this comes back into meaning. And a pastor and a minister praying for you. Saints of God gathering around. You're saying there's power in prayer. Prayer if it's just words and things you memorize. It's just words. But until it's all that carries you through, it means something. Until you say, God, I love you. When there was a time when you didn't want him in your life. You say, God, it means something. It means something inside of me. Can we lift our hands and talk to him? You may not be going through any trials. Everything may be cotton candy and just great and sweet in your life. But let's talk to him. Let's ask God to minister to us, to take us to a place, God. God, I want to go through each and every step and every trial. Be ministered to God. Allow myself to walk with you. If I haven't taken the opportunity yet, the end of a Sunday, God, I want to say I love you, and I ask you, God, to walk with us and talk with us. Let's pray and talk to him tonight, church. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus.